You may be seated. Good morning. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. But you're just going to want to keep your Bibles open because we're going to um, uh, we're going to be hitting a bunch of different passages of Scripture today. And so, yeah, and we'll get to Matthew chapter 19 actually at the end of the sermon. But hey, what time is church next Sunday? 10:30. Yes, 10:30. Where? Mount Vernon Nazarene University Chapel Auditorium. What time is church? Where? Yeah. At the Naz, over at the chapel. Now listen, this, I think this is the second time we've done this, um, where we just gather all three services in for one big service and we worship together and uh, we just have a great time together and there's not limited space on parking, there's not limited space on seating. And so this is a perfect, perfect, perfect opportunity uh, to invite your friends and family and just have them come and worship with us. It's going to be a great, great morning. So invite your friends to that, all right? Uh, thank you. Okay. Um, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us... Oh, did I say I'm glad you're here? I'm glad you're here. I realize that there are uh, just so many other places you could be, things you could be doing, but man, I am so, so glad you're here, and I don't take it for granted. I'm, I'm just glad. It's just good to be a part of the family of God and to come together and to worship and to learn and to hang out together. Well, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is a gift of imagination, um, it's, it's the ability to be able to picture things in our mind that are not necessarily what's here right now, mental pictures. Albert Einstein, a, a pretty smart guy from what I hear, he, he quoted this, he said this, and I quote, imagination is more important than knowledge. Now this is Albert Einstein saying this. Imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited to all we know now and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. End of quote. God gave us this gift of imagination. God imagines. The Bible tells us that God imagined the entire universe before anything was ever in existence he imagined it he thought it up before it became reality everything starts with an imagination i remember now now my wife chris is not here this morning she's in southern ohio with our uh daughter um so i can say this okay but when we were in college over at the NAS, I was a senior, she was a freshman, she imagined, she dreamed about dating me. <clears throat> and she chased and chased and chased like a cheetah after a gazelle. It was almost awkward at times. This is how I remember it. That's, you know, with her not being here this morning, I can really share how it really, really happened. But nothing becomes reality until somebody first thinks it up. This building 
didn't become a reality until someone imagined it. Every musical note, every piece of art, every, every business, nothing becomes reality without first imagination. Um, one, of, one of the reasons as you walk out the doors this morning and as you came in, if you look over on the wall, we have pictures of what's coming for the future of ministry here at this church and in our community. And those pictures are there to help spark your imagination. You know, without imagination, we couldn't make decisions. You know, uh, when you're making a decision, when you have a choice to make, you, you go, okay, what if I did this or what if I did that? What would happen if I do this? What would happen? That's using your imagination. Everything that's been created on planet Earth by human beings started with somebody imagining it, picturing it before it was a reality. This is a gift from God. Imagination is a tool. And imagination can be used for good or it can be used for evil. It's just like you could take... Uh, other gifts that God has given us, whether water or, or fire or sex or any of this stuff, God gave it to us for a beautiful reason, um, but it can be twisted and used for things other than God intended, and it can be perverted, and that's the same with the imagination. In fact, there are three categories of imagination. There, there, first of all, there are the things that the Bible says we should not imagine. Then the Bible talks about there are things that we can't imagine and then there's also things that the bible says we should imagine we should think about um and again imagination can be used or or abused i i think of my daughter taylor who who this past week she's a very imaginative young lady and this past week she had her first baby oh what what, what was it? Oh, you want to see a picture? Oh, I think, do you guys, do we have a picture of Jackson? I don't know. Maybe we do. Oh, little kid has more hair than I do. <laughs> well, while Taylor was pregnant, I'm talking to you about a misuse of imagination, okay? Worry is a misuse of imagination. She worried. Um, this was her first baby, and so she worried about how's this going to go and what's the pain level and what if something doesn't turn out right and what if and what if and what's it going to be like. And, you know, so my daughter is a little bit more on the dramatic side. In fact, I tell people that most women wait until they're at the hospital in labor before they get an epidural. Taylor should have gotten an epidural as soon as she found out she was pregnant. That's, that's a good way to describe her. After, after our baby was born this week, uh, my son-in-law, Ryan, he, he asked me, he said, okay, now that Jackson is born, when is Taylor going to get back to her normal self? And I said, after he goes to college, she might. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Worry is a misuse of our imagination. Lust is a misuse of our imagination. This is for a whole other sermon in and of itself. And I, and I get it. Sin is sin is sin is sin. And it all leads to death. And it's all 
contrary to what God wants for our lives, but there's just something about sexual sin that is so explosive and destructive right here and right now. And it all starts with what? The mind. It starts with lust. Revenge is a misuse of imagination. Man, I can't wait to get back at that person. I can't wait for this to happen. That's a misuse of imagination. Those are things we shouldn't imagine. Then the Bible teaches us there are some things that we can't imagine. Um, you know, we can't imagine how great God is. We can't imagine, we can't wrap our brains around how powerful God is, how awesome he is. Uh, you know, we look at the universe and we go, I can't wrap my brain around the universe. I, I can't imagine the creator of the universe. The, the creator is certainly bigger than the creation. We can't imagine. I, I love talking about like space and the ocean because they give a lot of facts that are just mind-boggling to me. Like I can't wrap my mind. Or, let me give you a couple of those facts about space as we talk about the awesomeness of the creator. They say that if we could combine all the sand of all the beaches in the world and of all the deserts in the world, billions and billions and billions and billions and billions upon billions, and you get the point, of pieces of sand, there would still be 10 times more that number of stars in the universe. I, I can't wrap my brain around that. Uh, Theplanets.org says this. The universe is so big that we would not be able to see its entirety. The only region of space visible to us is called the observable universe. Still, estimates show that there are roughly 2 trillion or 2 million million galaxies, not stars, galaxies in the observable universe. I can't imagine the creation. I can't, especially I can't imagine the, the one who created it. There's just some things we can't imagine. Uh, you cannot imagine as hard as you try how much the God who loves you created you. Or how much the God who created you loves you. Again, a whole other sermon in and of itself, but I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you've been. God loves you. And there's hope for you. And there's redemption for you. And there's healing for you. And there's purpose for you. Man, that's a, whenever I do this like three times or more, that's I'm, amen. I'm, someone say amen. Um. We, we can't understand how God would love us. The Bible says you can't imagine. We're incapable of imagining what heaven will be like. 1 Corinthians 2.9. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has what? No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't imagine how awesome heaven is going to be. 1 John 3, 2, yes, dear friends, we are already God's children right now, and we can't even imagine what it's going to be like later on. But we do know this, that when he comes, we will be like him as a result of seeing him as he really is.
you see, right now, as we walk with Christ, we become a little bit more like him each day. Um, we follow in his steps. We, we think a little bit more like him. We view the world a little bit more like him. But, but one of these days, we're going to see him in all of his glory, and we are going to become like him. That is, I can't imagine then the Bible says there are some things that we should imagine. Philippians 4.8, the second part says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and adm admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. In other words, dwell on, concentrate on things that are, focus on things that are beauty and love and healthy and meaningful. It, it's saying to imagine. This is the kind of stuff that God wants us to imagine in our mind, admirable things, things that are right, things that are good, things that are holy. These are what God wants us to spend our brain space on. Now, we're talking about daring faith over these weeks, and my hope today is that you will get a glimpse of the connection between faith and imagination that you'll see the connection, the relationship between faith and imagination. Because imagination is essential to living by faith. In fact, you can't live by faith without using your imagination because we, we can't physically see God, you know, and we've got to use our imagination to practice, to think about, to imagine what God looks like. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter that talks about heroes of faith. and It's kind of like God's hall of fame, right? You know, like there's a rock and roll hall of fame and there's a, there's a baseball hall of fame, et, et cetera. God has a hall of fame and it's called Hebrews chapter 11. In the Bible, he lists all the people who are real heroes to him in God's book. And he, he mentions Abraham and, and Moses and Joseph and Gideon and all these people. But he starts Hebrews chapter 11 with this, defining faith. He says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Faith is a way of seeing. Whatever you hope for when you believe it's going to happen, not, not when you think it might happen, but when you know it's going to happen, you see, when you think it might happen, that's hope. When you believe it will happen, that's faith. And he says, the evidence of things we cannot see. God gave us two ways of seeing. He gave us the physical way, seeing with our physical eyes, seeing the things around us, colors and all the stuff. But you can also see by the imagination in your mind. You can picture things in your mind. You can visualize things in your mind. You can play out things in your mind. And again, there's some of those things you shouldn't. There's some of those things you can't. And there's some things that he calls us to. It's another way of seeing. So when you can't see things physically, you have to imagine them in your mind. Faith is when we hope for something that we know is going to You know, it's kind of like Christmas morning. And many of you, you have the tradition of a Christmas tree and some presents under there or whatever. And especially 
when you're a kid, you know, you remember seeing the, the box or two or whatever with your name on it, and you begin, what do you begin to do? Imagine, imagine what's in that box, and you pick it up, and you, you go, oh man, this is heavy, you know, heavy in a Christmas box typically means good. This is heavy. You shake it, you, you do all this, you listen, right? This is a tool that God says we must use in our walk with Christ. You can't see God right now. You have to imagine. And, and so God gives us this tool of imagination. And, and God even gives us tools to engage our, our gift of imagination. You know, think about communion and baptism. Both of those represent the death and burial and resurrection of Christ, right? When you're being baptized, you're put under the water, and, and you know, which represents his death, and you're there, and it's the burial, and we come back, it's resurrection. God gives us baptism to help us to spark our imagination about his death, burial, and resurrection. Communion, think about communion. Communion helps to spark our imagination and to, to focus on and to be thinking about um, his death and birth and resurrection. Well, back to Hebrews chapter 11 uh, that talks about all the heroes of faith. As you read down through it, you realize that they became heroes of faith because of their imagination. You know, look at Abraham, for example, or I should say Abram. At one point, God comes to Abram and says, you're 90 years old, but I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means, does anybody know what it means? It means father of a great nation. Here's this 90-year-old that God is going, I'm going to change your name to father of a great nation. You also have to understand that from that point to when they actually had kids, it was another decade. I'll just think about this for a minute. This isn't in the Bible, but use your imagination, okay? Abraham and Sarah go to the local fine diner restaurant. And he walks up to the person at the desk and he says, a table for two. And she says, great, what's your name? And he says, father of a great nation. And she's, oh, wow, how many kids do you have? None. You know, like, he went through this for like 10 years. But God always calls things not as they are, but as they will be. He names it in advance. You are the father of a great nation. And then, then what does God do in that moment with Abraham that he says, I'm changing your name to the father of a great nation? You know what he does? God says, I want you to step outside and I want you to look up at all the stars in the heavens. And God says, that's the number of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-children. That's going to be the nation of Israel that you are the father of. What's God doing in that moment? He is sparking Abraham's what? Imagination. He's helping him to imagine it, to, to see it. Um, what is God doing when he tells him to count? He's helping him to imagine. He's helping him to see it. He's saying, I want you to visualize what I'm going to do in your life. 
Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that what? We cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. That means that the material things are temporary. Um, the, the immaterial things are eternal. So you think of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You can't see them, but they're eternal. You think of your soul. You can't see your soul, but it's eternal. You can see the stage on which I'm standing, but it's going to decay. It's going to rot. It's going to break down at some point. In other words, imagination is essential to living by faith. We talked about Abraham a minute ago. God gave him a dream. God helped him to imagine. God helped Abraham to visualize something that wasn't yet reality. But God wants you to imagine something like that in your life as well. That's even awesomer. I, I know teachers, awesomer is not a real word, but it works for me. That's awesomer. What is it in your life that God wants you to imagine? God wants to give you a dream that right now it's not reality. God wants you to imagine his plan for your life, this thing, whether it's big or small or seemingly insignificant or dramatic or whatever. I want to show you an example of someone in our church. I'm just going to show you a brief, brief video clip here. Of someone who years ago asked the question, what if, why not, and why not me? And because someone asked those three questions and God was working in their lives many years ago, we have, many of you are familiar with what we call our buddies ministry. Um, for those with special needs, those children. And it's just been an incredible blessing. It's been, but it didn't happen before they imagined. So just watch this kind of personal testimonial, if you would. I am Kristen. And I'm, hi, I'm Glenn Campbell. <laughs> We're the Campbells. <laughs> we have been married 20. She's a first grade teacher, so math's a little hard for her. <laughs> we have been married 26 years. We have two children. We have Megan, who this year is a junior at Ohio University. And we have Devin, who is 23. I teach first grade. I taught kindergarten for six years. Um, I now teach first grade. This is my 24th year of teaching. And I work at Ariel. I do tool design. As I was finishing up my elementary education, I've, I really felt called to get one more to just to stay a little bit longer and get my special education degree. In our family, we, um, we had my aunt who had Down syndrome. Having a special needs person in your family and realizing the impact that she had on so many lives, mine included, it just really gave me a lot of insight into wanting to pursue working with any individual that has any type of learning difference or special needs physically or anything else. 
We've attended New Life for 15 years? Close to. Yeah, close to 15 years. I would say we have been serving for at least 14 of those. I'm a living testament that God's mm -hmm. able to do great things because I'm not a kid person. <laughs> I initially volunteered to help Kristen run like a group in kid life. And somehow we went the first week to do it and I had my own group and I was a little <laughs> stunned by that. But I did it and it didn't kill me so I kept doing it. <laughs> when you get a group of children together, there are gonna be all, a lot of needs. The buddies program started out where it was the four of us and we had one-on-one -on -one kids and it would be the four of us. Megan would take a child to a, a group and stay with them. Devin would take a child to a small group and stay with them. We had a family that came into the church and I could tell that they were um, mostly taking turns going into church. They had a little guy. He had a passion to be here. You could tell he wanted to be here. You could tell the family wanted to be here. I don't really feel at the time that they necessarily knew if they could leave him. So I approached them and I offered and I told them that I was a teacher and that I would be more than happy to try my best, that I would come get them if I needed them. Um, but I wanted him to be a part of what was going on. He loved it, but the needs that he had were more than just being able to sit out in an entire group. You know, he needed some specialized instruction and he needed to be able to have a break and he needed somewhere where he could go. When I started to realize that, we, had, we were at a kid life meeting, I just finally put it out there. I think we need a program that is dedicated and it's just for them. And when I say them, I mean any child that has a need. So we have um, physical needs, we have um, sensory needs. We at the time had um, a child that had autism. It was so God-given at the time that he had provided us with a group of people who all were passionate to see this ministry happen. That's how it started. I mean, looking back, he was our kiddo that we started with and he, he just really gave me even more of a passion. It has really benefited a lot of families that have reached out to us and said that the Buddies Ministry is the reason they are at New Life. This ministry, I feel the seed was planted clear back whenever I decided that I was going to get my special education degree. And every year I say, okay, Lord, how am I going to use it? And now to see it evolve into what it is now, we, we serve a wonderful, mighty, amazing God. I would say for a family that wants to be blessed like us, to see our kids grow, you get involved. I mean, I love Jesus, but I'm not sure I'd be in church if I wasn't involved. It'd be easy to slip out and miss a few weeks here and there, and before you know it, you know, you're not going, and then your kids aren't there to, to see you being involved. And When we were talking about how many years we've done this, we were shocked. To use your gifts and your talents for God 
to me is one of the most amazing ways to serve. And you don't even need talents or gifts. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> if I can do it, anybody can. <laughs> I love it where she talks about 20 years ago, she just felt moved to get that extra certificate of education. And then she goes, God, how can you use this? And then she moves into, now I see it. Our, our, this is not a commercial for Buddy's ministry, but man, if you have a heart for these kids, let us know. We, we always are looking for people who can minister to these kids and love on these kids. But that was her. What if, why not, and why not me? What is it for your life? What if, why not, and why not me? What is it that God is helping you to imagine in your mind for the days to come? Matthew 19, 26 says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible but with God, everything is possible. God, I'm not looking at what I can do. I'm looking at what you can do. God, I'm not looking at the size of my challenges. I'm looking at the size of my God. And I'm, I'm using that to set my goals. And I'm going for it. Listen, people, God is looking for people who are tired of small thinking, small living, weak-willed goals, and self-centered dreams. God is looking for churches who are tired of small thinking, petty living, weak-willed goals, and self-centered dreams. God is looking for people. God is looking for churches who are all in. God is looking for churches and for individuals who will let him out of our little box that we often put God in, right? You know what I'm talking about? Well, God can't do anything. God can't, God can't, you know, and we, we, that's too big. No, and we have them in our little box. You'll get tired of hearing me say this over the coming weeks. I said it last week, but it was about in talking about imagination, it was, I think, three Sundays ago now that I presented the vision of where God is leading us as a church in this Daring Faith series, both on a corporate level and on a personal level. On a, on a, on a corporate level, I shared with you it means ministry space expansion, to be able to reach more people. And... Uh, if you were not here on September 10th, again, let me know following the service. I will text you a link to that service. You need to watch it in its entirety. And also, we have more of these back at a kiosk. Pick up one of these. They talk about it, and it includes sermon notes, places for sermon notes and prayers and all kinds of great things. Pick one up. But basically, on September 10th, what I was asking is I was going, Let's use our imagination for a moment. You know, set aside your human limitations, set aside your fears, set aside your anxieties, and just go, what if? And to imagine what you see on the wall as you exit corporately. But 
even more importantly, imagine what God wants to do in your life on a personal level. What if, why not, and why not me? Now, as we talk about daring faith, the very first and most important step is for you to step across that line of faith and receive God's gift of salvation into your life. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen just because you're a good person. It doesn't happen just because you are in church this morning. It happens by a very purposeful decision that you make in your heart. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And it's been a while since I've asked this question. I feel bad. It's, it's been longer than I probably would hope to say, but I want to give someone the opportunity, first of all, to take that step. Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor Troy, I'm, you know, I'm in church this morning, I'm a good person, or I don't understand everything about all this, but I do know I want, to, I want God in my life. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And if that's you, and you want to make that decision this morning, I, I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. The work's been done. It's nothing weird. It's nothing dramatic. The work's been done. All you have to do is receive it. And so before I go any farther, is anyone right here, we're not going to make a big deal of it, not going to make it dramatic, anyone here by an uplifted hand would go, Pastor Troy, that's me. I want to receive Jesus Christ as, as my personal Lord and Savior this morning. I want to take that first step of daring faith in my life. I'm just going to hold for a second. Okay, here's the second question. What is God having you imagine? What is God, when you ask the questions, what if, why not, and why not me, what's God putting in your mind? And maybe it's something for today, maybe it's not something like with the Campbells, it was 20 years later, after she got that certificate that God said, this is it. You are the church. I am not a hired gun. I am not a hired professional to do the work of the church. You are the church that does the work. And in order to do that, we got to go, what if, why not, and why not me? And that might be in your school, in your home, in your place of employment. It might be wherever I, in the community. I don't know. But Lord, I, I just come before you right now in behalf of all of us. Lord, we are called to be change agents in our world. And Father, I just pray that you would help us here at New Life not to be folks who come to church on Sunday morning or maybe to teen group or to kid life or whatever, and we kind of check it off and say, boy, glad I got that done. But God, may you use these moments, may to spark our imagination, to look around and see the needs, to see what needs to happen, to see how we can advance your kingdom, to see how we can love on people for your glory, and spark our imagination, Lord, as to what we can do. Lord, help us. We're, we're so grateful for our physical sight, but Lord, even more importantly, may we be able to May we be a people who see what you want to do 
with our imagination, things that aren't even here yet. May we imagine it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Great singing this morning. Wasn't that good? Our imagination. Is God pricking your imagination with some type of a special calling this morning? Maybe it's that gentle nudge in your spirit, gentle whisper, but God's just stirring something in you. Here's what I can tell you. Nothing is impossible with God. I think that's my favorite line from the Christmas story. Nothing is impossible with God. I would encourage you to just take that next step to whatever God has put in your imagination as you step out on faith with him. If you're here for the first time this morning, we're so thrilled that you've joined us. In the seat pocket in front of you, you'll see a welcome card. If you would complete that and drop it off at the Welcome Center right outside that back wall, we'd love to hand you a gift just to say thanks for being here. And make sure to introduce yourself to one of us. I'm glad you are able to be here today. Didn't you love that video of how God put it on the heart of Kristen for our buddies ministry, which is now such a critical ministry in the life of the church And I just love the process of how God has worked over the years on that. The room that they were speaking in that you were able to see there, our buddy's ministry room, um, not too long ago we were able to renovate that to meet the special needs for that ministry. The reason we can do those kind of things is because of your faithful giving. Thank you for being so generous to give consistently week after week to allow us to do things like that, to minister in our buddy's ministry and so many other things I can mention to you this morning. You are generous, and we so appreciate it. I want to echo what Troy said. If you have yet to pick up one of these books, you really, I want to encourage you to grab one from the kiosk as you leave today. There are six weeks of devotionals that our folks have written that will really help you. One of our big goals for Daring Faith is for us personally to draw closer to Christ and grow in our faith in Him. A key way to do that is regular, undistracted time in his word and in prayer in his presence. And our hope is these devotionals will help with that. So make sure you grab one as you leave today. New Life, as you hear this benediction this morning, hear it with fresh ears. In the context of this message and the imagination that God has given us and stepping out on faith to believe that what he has put there can truly happen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and forever. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.